So good morning, class. Good morning, class. Okay, just wondering if you're awake. Well, it's good to be back with you. My wife and I traveled up to Virginia to see our uh, great-granddaughter, who wouldn't let me hold her. But my wife got to, with a little ploy playing with the camera. But we had, we had a good time. But we drove up, and we shouldn't have done that. Um, we made a bad choice. It ended up my oldest son had to drive us back to Birmingham. I couldn't do it. So we're in therapy now. My leg, you know, has been giving me quite a bit of trouble. And uh, I pray, I would ask you to pray that God would give me strength in that leg and the therapy will do its job. Now let's pray together and we'll tell you a little bit about what we're going to try to cover today. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of looking into your word and allowing it to speak to our hearts and challenge us. And Father, as we take on this subject of priority of prayer, we pray that you would give us understanding and that we not only will comprehend what the scripture says about how to pray, but we will practice those principles in our prayer time. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just by way of review, I, I wrote myself a note just to remind me and you of some of the things that we've already covered. We've talked about the priority of prayer. We looked at some of the great men in church history and how they practiced uh, prayer. We've talked about the different kinds of prayer, supplication, intercession, and so on. We've talked about the standard operational procedures, you know, persistence in prayer and that kind of thing, believing prayer. Then we talked about uh, the different answers to prayer, how that God can tell us no, God can give us the okay and answer our request in the way that we ask, or he may delay it. Numbers of different ways that God responds to our prayers. And we have to remember he's the sovereign God, and uh, he, he wants us to interact with him. He wants us to be in an attitude of dependence, but uh, he reserves the right to say no as well. So we talked about the different kinds of uh, answers. And then how to pray for our children. And we looked at First Chronicle 29:19 to see some principles there in David's prayer for Solomon as he became king that we can apply in the lives of our children, whether they're little ones like our great-granddaughter or their 50s kind of sons like uh, we have. They're still our kids, and we still pray for them. And we need to pray biblically. So we looked at how to pray for children. And then the final one that we looked at before we went away on our trip was how to pray for missionaries. And we've gotten a lot of response from that. And uh, I, I hope it will be helpful for you. And I hope that you will put into practice some of the things that we've been, we uh, shared with you. Now, today we're going to make a turn. We're going to deal with different kinds of prayers in the sense of how to pray for certain things. Today, we're going to talk about worry, how to deal with worry. And I would say it's a prayer that helps us to understand how to mature emotionally, how to mature 
emotionally. And it's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I want you to look at it with me. It's a very interesting passage, and it's become a very, very important passage of Scripture in my life. Notice Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, or be careful for nothing. Uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by means of prayer, by means of supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. We're not to worry. We're to exercise dependence. And the result of that, when we do it properly, verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. Now look up here. That means we don't understand. We know what's happening, and when we practice the, this dependence on God, uh, we see things happen, and we can't explain it. It surpasses all of our understanding. It works, however. Okay? That's the point. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes, uh, uh, surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts, there's your emotional life, and your minds, there's your mental capabilities, in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you an outline that I have found to be very helpful that I think will be helpful to you. First point, avoid anxiety. We're going to talk about what Paul says to do that. That emotion we call worry. Second, pursue dependency. Avoid anxiety, pursue dependency, and third, you will experience tranquility. Okay? So avoid anxiety, verse uh, 6, and uh, part of, the latter part of verse 6. Pursue dependency, and as a result, verse 7, you will experience tranquility. Now, one of the things that I have found very helpful in my ministry is if I will let people know I struggle with my spiritual life. Uh, because I know you do too. I mean, we're dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, for goodness sake. We're saved by the grace of God. Uh, and, but we struggle as we seek to serve God and see the process of sanctification <clears throat> occur in our life. Now, I said I struggle with worry. When I was a young fellow, and my mom and dad are with the Lord, they both know the Lord now, and I'm not being disrespectful to my mom in particular, but I used to struggle with self-image because no matter what I did, my mom would always suggest I can do better. She was never satisfied. If I made a C in a class, she wanted me to make a B. If I made a B in a class, she says, I know you can get an A. And so I struggle with this image. We call it low self-image. You say, well, you're not supposed to do that. You're a believer. Well, I'm a believer, but I'm a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner. Okay? And so that's something I struggled with. And I would avoid getting involved in a lot of the activities in school simply because I didn't want to face the possibility and what I thought would be an ultimate conclusion to participation, and that was failure. 
So I spent a lot of time by myself growing up, and it wasn't until I got to high school, got involved in the military school, and all of a sudden realized I can be somebody, I can do, I have some abilities, and God saved me about that same time and so on. But the facts remain, child of God, that I still struggle with worry. And I have also discovered when I admit that to my people, my people feel the freedom to admit to me they struggle with the same thing. So I'm suggesting in this crowd this morning, and we have a great church. We have a pastor that teaches us the word. But at the same time, I'll bet you, not a bet man, but I'll bet you that many of you struggle with the same thing. I am what they call the worry wart. And if I can get one thing solved, I'm free-floating in my worry. I enjoy my worry. And so I'll find something else. Does that make any sense to you? Now, it's when I begin to look at this passage of Scripture that I begin to realize God has given me a formula for dealing with that emotional inadequacy in my life. And I want you to experience it as well. Now, let's look at the text. We said the first thing was the text is saying to us, avoid anxiety. Now, look at verse 6. Be anxious. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, we need to look at that first part of verse 6. The first thing I want to say to you is this is a present imperative in the Greek text. And the Greek text in the present tense is going to emphasize habitual or continuous action. In other words, as I look at the text, I can translate it this way. Constantly, always be avoiding anxiety by prayer and supplication. Okay? So it is an imperative that is durative in its form. The second thing I want you to notice is that the word is translated uh, either be anxious or be careful. It's a word that is related to a Greek verb, uh, merinzo. It's related to that verb, and the idea of that verb is to divide. Now, I want you to look up here. When we talk about worry, we've got to realize that we are capable of multitasking. Everybody understand? I can drive my car, and I can talk to my wife. Or I can drive my car, and I could be doing a lot of things like texting, which I don't do because I don't want anything to do with texting. But you understand, we can do numerous things at the same time, multitask. And the word here that's translated be anxious means to divide, mentally to divide. I can do this, I can be thinking about how to drive, and I can think about uh, my presentation in Sunday school once I get to Glen Iris Baptist Church. All at the same time, multitask. The problem is that this dividing in our thinking can become so uh, concerned in one area of thinking that I can't function like I'm supposed to. 
I get to worrying about my Sunday school class, and I don't make a turn on the way to church. You see, I've gotten off focus. So multitasking is okay, and we need to do that, but we must understand that if we get so divided that we are overly concerned in some area of our life, then we can't function like we're supposed to. Everybody with me? So the text says, avoid anxiety. Avoid dividing your thinking in such a way that it paralyzes you and you can't function. Now, the other thing I want you to see is that this verb can be or can have a positive as well as a negative connotation associated with it. For example, look back. We're in Philippians 4. Look at Philippians 2 and verse 20. Here's a a positive way. Paul's talking about uh, Timothy, and he says in verse 20, For I have no one else of kindred spirit, thinks like I do, who will genuinely be concerned, there's your word, be anxious for your welfare. See, now that's a positive use of the term. In other words, Timothy, Timothy can take care of his own spiritual life. He can preach. He can witness. But at the same time, he can be very concerned about you. But it doesn't get out of whack so that he can't live his life for himself. Everybody with me? So avoid anxiety. Now, this word can also have a negative connotation, as it does in chapter 4 in verse 6. Get away from that kind of thinking, that divided thinking. But look, there's another one. Let me show you one more. We've got a little bit of time. I want you to go with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Again, this word is being used. 1 Peter chapter 5 and uh, verse 7. Now look what it says. 5, 7, 1 Peter. He says, casting all your cares, casting all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's teaching the same thing, child of God that Philippians chapter 4 is teaching. In 1 Peter, Peter's saying, you've got to take this anxiety that's paralyzing you, and you've got to cast that on the Lord. Now, the question that automatically comes, child of God, is how do I do that? Well, Peter tells us what to do. Paul tells us how to do it. Amen? So, we go back to our text, and he says, Avoid anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, an example of this is the passage that we've referred to a number of times as I've been teaching in this class. That's Matthew chapter 6. Remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'm not to be anxious for my life, what I eat or drink, or for my body, what I put on, I am to recognize that God takes care of me. He provides for me. Recognize his provision. Then he says, when you get into the last two verses of chapter 6, 
he'll say to us, but seek you first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added unto you. See? Don't be anxious for your life. Don't be anxious about the things you need. Recognize that you prioritize God in his kingdom and his provision will be made available to you. Now, that's avoiding anxiety. I'm the worry boy. So what am I supposed to do? The first thing the text tells me is, stop it. Question. How? Now look at the second part of the verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, all these things that you worry about. John Talley, stop it. How do I deal with it? By means of prayer, by means of supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Take it to the Lord. Now, let's talk about pursuing dependency in the latter part of verse 6. The extent of it first, in everything, be anxious for nothing. But you don't understand. I've got this problem. In nothing, but in everything, I'm to take it to the Lord. Amen? Now, how do we do that? Well, let's look at it. The content of this prayer to deal with worry involves three things. I'm going to give them to you ahead of time. First one, adoration. That's your word in this text, prayer. Supplication. That's the second one. And then third, he says, with thanksgiving. Now I want to look up here, look up here again. Give you a little Greek lesson. This is a passage that has what we call a dative of means. In other words, when I look at this text in the dative of means in verse 6, I'll translate it. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by means of prayer. And then by means of supplication. Dative of means, both cases. Then he says, metta, with thanksgiving. So that's how I'm to conduct my prayer time. That's the content of my prayer of dependence. Everybody with me? Now, let's look at the first one. We talk about adoration. I want you to go with me to a passage of Scripture that I think will help us. We've talked about this before, but I want to make a contrast. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Now look what the text says. This is Paul again, and he says, With all prayer, that's our word, in Philippians 4, 6. Just translated prayer. Notice what he says, verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. That, that second word prayer is the same Greek word that's translated prayer, uh, the first word that's translated prayer. Both of those. And then it has supplication. Now look up here. Most of the time, Maybe that's an incorrect statement. Many times, 
When you come across this word that's translated prayer here in Ephesians 6, 18, it can be translated supplication. And so the context has to tell me, is it talking about supplication, asking God to supply, or is it more readily emphasizing my worship and love expressed to God in prayer? Context determines. Now, how do I know it's adoration and worship here? Because he uses the second word, petition, which is the word supplication. So the point is, this context is telling us he wants us to be involved in supplication, but the word that he uses first is a word that is one that describes our worship and appreciation to God. Does that make sense? I remember when I was pastoring in Dayton, Ohio. I'll never forget it, and yet I understand the comment. One day in our pastoral prayer, I was saying, Lord, we love you. When that service was over, one of the ladies stopped me and she said, Pastor, I've never heard anybody in their prayer time tell the Lord they love them. And I got to thinking about that. That really doesn't happen all that much. Or it didn't way back there in my experience at that point. But it was something I did, and it was correct. And people began to recognize we ought to be telling the Lord we love him. Amen? That's the word adoration here. Now, let's emphasize that a little bit. Now, I brought with me this morning uh, some of my prayer list. And uh, it's not very impressive. Uh, That's about two, maybe two and a half years old. And it's written in pencil. Why? So I can erase names. People die. Okay? Or people have their problems solved and stuff like that. So in supplication and intercession, I just switch out that name, put somebody else in it. But the other thing that I do in my very first uh, activity in my prayer is to worship God. Now, I want to make a comment to you. I have these two sheets, though I teach prayer, have been teaching it for years all around the world. I don't know about you, but I forget things I need to remember and can't forget things I need to forget. Am I right? So what do I do? I have a cheat sheet that helps me to remember what I'm supposed to do. So the text says to me that the first thing that I'm supposed to do, Philippians 4 and verse 6, is by means of adoration and worship and expression of love to God. That's how I deal with my worry. And you'll see how it all fits together in just a little while. But here's my cheat sheet. The first page, before I get to all the missionaries and the pastors and all the family and the grandkids and great-grandkids, Ad infinitum, my first sheet is worship of God, adoration. And what I've discovered, child of God, that scripture memory is very important in the Christian's life. I'm at a point in my life where my mind doesn't work like it used to. I could just go on and on and on. And I don't mean that to be bragging. I'm just saying I learned to, to uh, memorize scripture. But now I write them down. And sometimes I'll even put a note. Oh, yeah, I know what that verse says now because I got a little note. 
Let me talk about some of the things that I talk to the Lord about when I worship him. Adoration. First of all, he's my creator. Thou art the living God, the creator of heaven and earth and the sea and everything that is in it. That's Acts 14 and uh, verse 15. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made. Lord, You are my Creator, God. Lord, You brought me into this world. You gave me life. I know about the biological things of mom and dad, but I know ultimately you are my creator. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me into this world originally and into your kingdom as well. Second one, Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. Lord, not only are you my creator, God, but God, you're my sustainer, God. For your word says, He was before all things, and by him all things are held together. I'm 75 years old. I'm starting to fall apart, but I'm still going. And the reason why this 75-year-old is 75 and still going is because God not only created me, he has sustained me all these years. Thank you, Lord. Amen? That's worship. And and then I use Proverbs 6. I mean, uh, Matthew 6. uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right. All these things will be answered, uh, be uh, given to you. That is, God, I recognize your provisions in my life. I can remember times, Lord, when all we had was a bag of potatoes and somebody's fresh tomatoes from the garden. I remember those days. And God, you provided for me all these years, just like you said you would. God, I worship you. I love you. You see it? And and then he's my master. He's the Lord of my life. If any man would come unto me, Luke chapter 9 says, let him deny himself, give up his will, and take up his cross, the will of God for that individual's life. Take up the cross and follow me. Child of God, that's what I'm seeking to do in my life. I want not my will, but his will. Why? Because you are the Lord of my life. You've sustained me. uh, You have created me. You've provided for me. You have a right to have control over my life. Again today, I yield to you because I love you. I don't know how much more to go on, but let's do it. He's the rewarder God. In uh, 1 Corinthians in 15, or uh, in 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 to 15, there is no foundation that any man could lay than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is saying to you and to me, child of God, listen, this is it. 
This is how we live. Here is the foundation for life. It's Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Who is he? What has he done for me? And third, what does he expect of me? That's what the scripture is talking about. Who is he? He's God. What has he done? He's died and paid the penalty of sin. So I have the free gift of heaven. Okay? Then what does he expect of me? He wants me to set aside my will and take up my cross and follow him. Amen? Lord, I love you. I give up my life to you. You deserve it. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. He's the controller God. Lord, you work everything after the counsel of your own will so that those of us who first trusted in Christ might be to the praise of your glory. You're the comfort of God. Blessed, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch it. The Father of mercies. Now this text is going to talk about comfort. But again, begins by saying he's the Father of mercies. We blow it. We mess it up. But he's the Father of mercies. But then also, he's the God of all comfort. And why does he comfort? Lord, you comfort me so that I won't be comfortable, but I'll be able to take that comfort that you've given to me in the circumstances of life and share it with others so they get comfort. I become the conduit through which the comfort of God comes in somebody else's life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for comforting me, and thank you, Lord, for using me. That's marvelous that you use me in the lives of other people. Is that making sense? Adoration. That's my prayer list. And I do this, this adoration in my prayer time, first of all, every single day when I'm praying. Adoration is first. Then notice the text tells us something else. Back to verse 6. Notice what it says. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by means of prayer, and then by means of supplication. Now, we've already pointed out to you, the word supplication is that kind of prayer where we ask God to supply. First six letters of this word supplication is supply. It is God's requ our request of God that he supply our needs. Supplication. Now, remember we just talked about Matthew 6. Here's provision, but then there's a condition. Seek you first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. And I want to say to you that most of the promises that we find in Scripture have conditions attached to them. God says, I promise I'll do it, but you've got to seek me. See it? Or, I promise I'm going to take care of you, but the reason you don't have it is, Turkey, you've never asked. See it? So when we talk about supplication, we're talking about asking God to help us in this area with the items of worry. 
that we have. Let's talk about that. Here's my prayer list. I've just finished praying for my boys. I've had adoration. I've prayed for the family. And I, <clears throat> I pray Philippians 4, 6, and 7 as well. Now, here's what my son shared with me when I was teaching this subject up in New Hampshire in his church. He said, Dad, you just told us to have a worry list. I thought, yeah, never thought about it like that. So in my prayer cheat sheet, I have my worry list. And I have a pencil and eraser. And when one thing disappears, I find something else to put in its place. My worry list. Do you have a worry list? You see, if you don't have a cheat sheet that helps you to remember how to pray in your prayer time, you'll forget all these things and you will have a problem of worry. Now, let me just share with you some of the things that uh, I'm constantly praying about. For example, my wife and I have been married this June 26th at 56 years. She has arthritis, and she has pain constantly. She takes hydrocodone four times a day. And she still has pain. And I can tell when she's in pain. And sometimes, I, and we've done this so many times, I said, honey, I wish I could take that pain and put it on myself. And many a time she said back to me, I know you would if you could. So what do I do? I can't take it, but I can pray that God will help her manage it and deal with it. Does that make sense? So instead of just worrying about it all the time, when I have my prayer time, I pray for my wife to have pain management. Another one of the things that's on my prayer list since we moved back to Birmingham is the Lord let us buy a piece of property with a little pond on it and uh, it's a good place to fish. I tell people all the time when I'm preaching, God gave us a 1.9 acres with a fishing pond out front. And if I want to, I don't have to get off my front porch. I just take that thing and throw it out in the water. My wife said to me one time, Honey, you stop telling that. You can't do that. Got home, sitting out on the front porch. Went and got my rod and reel. Boop, right out there. I can cast from the front porch. But that piece of property is in a situation where we have to have one of those things we call the septic tank. Now, the problem, I hate them, by the way. I despise them. But the problem at our property is you have to find a place where it perked, they call it, where it'll, it'll accept the drainage. It's in my backyard. I've got 1.9 acres, but the place that it perks is higher than the house. So it has to be pumped uphill. 
You ready? If we have a thunderstorm and the electric electricity goes off, we could be in a heap of trouble. And sometimes in our area, it can go off for two or three days because there's so few of us out there around that lake association where we, where we live. So on my prayer list, septic. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I just, every day, I tell the Lord, take care of the septic tank. Another one that's on this list. Where can I preach? Where can I have a ministry? Now, I'm becoming more and more limited in what I can do and can't do. But, Lord, don't put me on the shelf. Please, don't put me on the shelf. That's on my prayer list. That's part of my worry list. My son and his wife have a a faith ministry dealing with couples that are in crisis in their marriage. It's called Christian Marriages in Crisis. And they have, I don't know how many couples they're dealing with at any given time. But they don't charge a fee that people give as they feel led to. And that makes it hard sometimes because people don't feel led to to help. Am I making sense? So I pray for my son and his wife. They'll have the finances they need in life. Now, that's my worry list. Now, what does the text say? Put away my fantastic prayer list. I go back to the text. What does it say? Avoid anxiety, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, watch it, by means of prayer, by means of supplication, and then it says the Greek word meta, the preposition, with thanksgiving. So the third part of my prayer to deal with a worry is expressions of thanksgiving. I would suggest to you a verse to write down. And that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God concerning you. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. So when our son Timothy died as a result of my exposure to exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam, and I end up with prostate cancer as well. I'm to give thanks. Let's just talk about Timothy for a second. While we were up in Virginia, my son drove us up to the 100th anniversary gathering of the military school that I went to in Richmond. And on the way back to Lynchburg, where my grandson lives, and everybody was meeting there so we could play with a granddaughter, great-granddaughter. He took us by Petersburg, Blanford Cemetery, where Timothy is buried. I wanted to see it one more time. I know he's not there. 
He's in heaven with the Lord. But his little body, what's left, is there at the Blanford Cemetery. I wanted to see it again. But I'm to be thankful for what the Lord has done. And as time goes on, we kind of figure these things out. Betty and I finally realized if he hadn't have died, we'd be committed to stay in the military whether we wanted to or not at any point in our life. Why? Because it would be so expensive taking care of that little one because of the multiple birth defects that he had. What about my cancer? Has God used that? You betcha. I can talk to people about cancer because I'm experiencing it. So in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you. Makes sense. Our time's getting away. But here we go. In our prayer about worry, we have what I call the worry sandwich. One slice of bread is adoration. God, you've done so many wonderful things. You've created me. You've sustained me. You have provided for me. I worship you. I love you. You are the God in my life. That's one slice of bread. The other slice of bread, child of God, is thanksgiving. In everything, give thanks. And as we look back over our lives, we can say, God's been so good. My wife and I got married when I was 19 years old. She was 18 years old. We were kids. We thought we were grown-up adults, but we were kids. But God honored that. So for 56 years, I've had the privilege of having the most wonderful, what I call her, wifey in the whole world. Thanksgiving. Adoration. In the middle of my two slices of bread, or supplication, I call it the bologna sandwich. Not that my worry things are baloney, but my worrying about them is baloney. Why? Well, if you think about what a great God he is, first slice of bread, and how often he's taken care of you and provided for you, how can you worry about the things in that we call baloney, the worry list things? Why? He's always there. He's always taking care of us. He's a fantastic God. You know what happens when you start thinking like that? You begin to realize that worrying is just that, a bunch of baloney. We have a great, great God. Amen? Now, when I pray like that, I begin to have an attitude shift. And I begin to realize God knows exactly what he's talking about. And he's good, and he's taking care of us. So the text then says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by means of prayer, adoration, by means of supplication, 
uh, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And what will happen? Here is the promise. The promise is, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart, your emotions, and your minds, your mental capacities in Christ Jesus. You can't figure it out. You can't explain it. It just happens. Why? Because God said it would. You see it? I'm still a worry ward, but I'm learning how to trust him with those things in my life that have a tendency to slow me down spiritually. May I say to you this morning, child of God, here's the passage of Scripture that if you'll practice it, I guarantee you God will begin to deal with worry in your life and you will grow. You will mature emotionally. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to share your word this morning. I pray that others will gain the victory over worry by practicing the principles of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.